I think uh, that we have to embrace, acknowledge our roots um, in order to succeed. Do you ever wish you could pause life long enough to solve problems? When I was a kid, I remember daydreaming about being able to pause life when asked a math problem in class. Well, Alma Rivera gets to do that every day on Alma's Way, a new show on PBS Kids about a young, six-year-old, proud, confident Puerto Rican girl living a fast-paced life in the Bronx alongside her family, friends, and neighbors. Today, I have the honor of speaking to Sonia Manzano, the creator of Alma's Way. But you might know her as Maria on Sesame Street, who she's been playing for 44 years. Sonia, a Puerto Rican just like Alma, has been nominated for an Emmy twice for her best performance in a childhood series and has won 15 Emmys for her television writing. In 2016, Sonia was awarded a Lifetime Achievement Emmy Award by the National Academy of Television Arts and Sciences, recognizing her as a pioneer in representation of Latinos on television and for playing Maria. Hola, yo soy Andrea Marquez and this is Latinx, a show brought to you by La Red Hispana and the Hispanic Communications Network for a new generation of Latinx. This season, we want to focus on empowering you to follow your passion and be smart about chasing your dreams while speaking to Latinx from all over, de diferentes colores y sabores. Remember to support us by following us on social media or check out our website at wearelatinx.com. Okay, so Sonia, in the 44 years of playing Maria on Sesame Street, how do you think that Maria has contributed to the Latino representation and appreciation in the United States? Well, thank you for the that wonderful question. I, I certainly hope that you're right, that I have uh, contributed to the positive portrayal of, uh, of Latinx people in the United States. I uh, grew up in the 1950s, and at that time, Latins were invisible. We weren't on television, we weren't in the newspapers, we weren't in books. And as a child, I always loved television and I loved watching hours of things like you see on uh, TV land, uh, Leave it to Beaver, Father Knows Back, those old shows. But I wondered where I fit into that world. And feeling invisible made me concerned as to what I was going to contribute to a society that did not see me. Uh, so uh, I, when I got on Sesame Street and they kept saying, just be yourself, be yourself. We want little kids uh, that don't see themselves on television to see themselves in you. I was thrilled to take that, that opportunity. And uh, it, I, I can attribute my success to never forgetting how I felt as a kid. Uh, and assuaging uh, current children's fears of not being represented. And what would you say have been some of the most important lessons you've learned throughout your journey? Well, I think that uh, I've learned that humor goes a long way. If you're, if you're going to be in the television uh, medium, 
it's it's an art form that you have to address, even though it's educational television, working with the Muppets have certainly made me made me realize that. Uh, I think sincerity goes a long way with children, especially because they can really spot a fake like a mile away if you're if you're talking down to them, they can certainly feel that. And I've uh, learned all of those things and I take them on to my projects. I love that. I don't think I ever talk about the fact that kids are a lot smarter than we get give them credit for. Um, I re- it's this idea of, I remember when I was younger and you know how parents tend to be like, I'm just going to talk about complicated things, even though the kids here, they're not going to understand. <laughs> and you do understand what's happening, what they're saying, something about yes. that. Yes, I think that that's very, uh, very true. We underestimate kids' understanding. We think they're not paying attention, and and they are paying attention. Mm-hmm. And they and if you start talking to a kid like, "Hello, you little sweetie pie, how are you today?" They can feel that you're thinking that they're not as intelligent as you are, and they have to break things down. They just don't have all the information that we have and the experience. It has nothing to do with their intellect and being able to absorb the attitudes around them. Does working with kids feel like you have to be a child yourself a lot of the time? No, I don't think so. I think that uh, uh, as a matter of fact, uh, when my memoir came out, Becoming Maria, Love and Chaos in the South Bronx, Um, I related that I was raised in a tumultuous environment in a household ruled by domestic violence. And people said to me, nice, well-meaning people said, oh, you lived in such a tough environment. How can you, how can you relate to kids? And I thought, what, what does one have to do with the other? Uh, So I don't think you have to be a child, uh, you know, or childlike. I'm an adult uh, to, to work with kids. Uh, but I do remember everything that happened to me when I was a kid. And I assume that kids are still going through the same thing. Another question that has come up often is have, have kids changed? And I don't really think they have changed. I think our expectations of them have changed. I was talking to someone who said their kid was starting kindergarten and the kid had to be in front of the t- monitor of the computer for five hours a day. This is a five-year-old. Jesus, that is a lot. That is, that a, lot. is a lot to expect of someone. Uh, and so, uh, uh, but this is because we're a database society mm-hmm. and we like to test kids and, uh, you know, the pendulum will swing the other way at some point. Here's hoping, because I always think about that when I'm going to have my own kids, how much technology has made us dependent on it and just that five, five out. I have to work uh-huh. and I can't sit for that long. I can't imagine a kid having to do I that. I know. Absolutely. But like, you know, when I was about 16, um, uh, uh, long ago, uh, Maria Montessori technique was the popular technique of. I was, yeah, I went to Maria Montessori. Were you, um, well, there you are, perfect. Yeah. Then you know, uh, then you can, uh, you know, fill me in on the year that you went. But then, you know, it was a completely different attitude. It was playing and uh, different kids of different ages should be together. And everybody was like, oh, we have to go to the Maria Montessori, sign up, sign up. You know, or your kid will be a failure. <laughs> and now it's data, 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 or your kid will be a failure. So things change. 
You never know when something wonderful will happen. I should know. I'm Ruthie, and something wonderful once happened to me. It was a regular old day. My puppy had just fixed the antenna on the television set so I could finish watching my favorite show, Superman. I love Superman. I wish I could be Superman. If I were Superman, I could save kittens that got stuck on rooftops in a single bound. I could... There she is, flying around until she hears, Ruthie? It was my mommy interrupting my thoughts. I've got a job for you. Your Aunt Juanita is going to have her baby very soon and she'd like some company. Why don't you go spend the day with her in case she needs anything? There's Ruthie watching television and her mother how did you get the role of Maria in the first place? I was, uh, how I got the role of Maria is, uh, is not an exciting story. I was in a show called Godspell at the time that we had created at Carnegie Mellon University. And um, uh, as you know, or maybe you don't know, but Sesame Street was geared towards African-American children in underserved areas. That was a zero target. That was who we wanted to reach. But like in 1969, everybody had a political platform. People were marching on Washington, the civil rights movement, and everybody had a political platform. And thankfully, Mexican-American activists on the West Coast said, you have Susan and Gordon, who are African-American characters for African-American children to relate to, why don't you have Latino Hispanic characters so so that Latino children or Latinx children could relate to? We did not use the word Latinx in those days. And so Emilio Delgado got cast as Luis Chicano from the West Coast, and I got cast Puerto Rican on the East Coast as Maria. And that's that's how we we got cast on the show. Uh, as I said, they I wanted to know, well, what's Maria like? I had never been in a television studio. I was very nervous. They kept saying, be yourself, be yourself, just be yourself. And uh, it, that's very hard to do that. It's easier to play a character. Like you'll see a puppeteer will be fabulous when he's wearing a puppet. He take the puppet away and he's deer in the headlights, you know. Uh, uh, <laughs> so I had to, uh, to uh, uh, you know, really be myself and not be self-conscious as to who I was. And then when did you decide to transition into writing or were you already writing? No, no. Writing was uh, really uh, uh, stunning to me that I became a writer. I, when I grew up, writing was something that kind of elite, educated people did, you know, it wasn't people, a poor kid from El Barrio didn't do any writing. Uh, that was unheard of. But I had questions about the Latino content on the show. And I would uh, bring up those questions to the producers. And they said, Dulcie Singer, who was my mentor said, why don't you try writing some yourself? And I went, me? I don't know how to write anything. I need a tutorial to write a thank you note. 
I said, I can't do this. And, uh, but, but it stayed in my head. I knew the characters. I knew Oscar the Grouch. I knew uh, Maria. And I just decided to write some bits. I knew the curriculum. And that's how I started writing for the show. I realized early on, on some level, that the power is in back of the camera, not in front of it. The power is in the writing of what is presented. And I guess I wanted to, a little bit of that. And we all think that you were able to do that because, I mean, it's been a long time and a long way coming that we need more representation behind the camera as well when we're creating these stories, Latino, African-American, any minority group, really, because we have it, it's part of the reflection of what America looks like today. Yes, yes. And so from Maria to writing, and you weren't a writer, so how did you decide to create <laughs> Alma's Way? <laughs> Oh, well, that first, well, first I wrote a couple of picture books and a couple of YA novels and um, uh, Linda Siminski from PBS Kids asked me to create this, this uh, Latin family animated show for PBS Kids. I wouldn't have wanted to create a children's show after Sesame Street. I mean, how do you follow that act? Sesame <laughs> You know, I, I wouldn't even attempt it. But because she asked me, I thought, okay, fine, I'll, I'll, I'll give it a shot. Because I'm Puerto Rican, New Yorkan, I placed it, I made the family that. Because I was raised in the South Bronx, I made the, this locale of, of the show that. And, uh, but the, 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 uh, the goal of the show was left up to me. And I had noticed a lot of underserved kids hated school or didn't like to go to school because too many kids in a classroom, uh, they didn't speak English, whatever the reasons were. And I thought, how could you hate school? You're just a little, you know, school is fun. And I think it was because they were forced to memorize, that they had to be tested, that they had to, uh, they had to absorb information the same second as their peers. Not late, not six months later or six months before. So there was all of this pressure and and they were being treated like empty vessels that the teacher just pounded information in. Of course, you're not going to imagine going to work like that, a job that that's what happened all day. I don't know that this is true. This is my fantasy of it. But, but, but I thought they were turned off. In any case, they were turned off to the joys and pleasures of thinking even before They were out of the gate, even before they knew how wonderful it was to think, to fantasize, to find refuge in your brain and, and, and think of wonderful things, of putting two and two together and being right or wrong, whatever. So that's what the show is. Every, every episode, Alma, the protagonist, has a problem. And uh, she says, I got to think about this. And a globe appears next to her head and we see her process of thinking. And then she says, I got this, or I know what to do. Coming to PBS Kids in October.
because you are you've been so connected to Sesame Street and and you were and you had this thought process of why how do you follow up Sesame Street <laughs> right what would you say are the big differences between what that we should expect from Alma's way well a big difference is the landscape of television has absolutely changed Sesame Street was created when there were a lot of uh variety shows, magazine format, Flip Wilson, Carol Burnett, 60 Minutes, you know, even even uh, Fred Rogers, a show, Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, had different segments, a regular segment and then a uh, live act, you know, Muppet seg segment. So, so, uh, so that's different. That doesn't happen in television now. Now there are narratives. So our show is a narrative. There are 11 minutes of little, little stories. Uh, I'm new to animation. I had to sort of learn about that. I'm used to live action where you solve the problems of the script right before you shoot it. Whereas now you have to anticipate it and, and, uh, uh, work on the script way, way, way ahead of time. And also, a lot more people are involved. Sesame Street was like, you know, three creators, Jim Henson, Dulcie Singer, John Stone, Joe Raposo. They were like the Beatles, <laughs> giants. And they just, you know, did what they thought was correct, thank thankfully. Uh, but now there's a lot more people. There's a lot more research uh, goes into. It took me a little while to get to get used to that. I'm curious, why do you think that is? Why did we go from a more centralized thought process to more, you know? I, I, I think that it, when Sesame Street first came on the scene, there was nothing else to compare it to. It was groundbreaking. It was new. No, we didn't look back. There was nothing to, well, they do it like this and we should do it like that. We set the pace. Nobody else did it before. And so that, there's a lot of freedom in that. Now there's a lot of kids shows. So there's, there we're, you know, we're looking over our shoulder to see what the other guy is doing uh, often because there's a lot of kids shows. Uh, but if you try to copy everyone or do what they're doing, you're going to fail. So you have to try and do both. And I think that Alma's way is very authentic in that it's authentic to me. It is my life. It is my story. It's how I see things. Puerto Ricans are different from each other. And, and we are acknowledging that. And I'll just tell you a, a, a little story that happened yesterday. So we're talking about a pandareta, which is like a tambourine without the cymbal. That, that's popular in Puerto Rican music that's called bomba. And I asked my friend from El Barrio, Puerto Rican, just like me, uh, about a pandareta. And she said, I never heard of that. And I said, what? How can that be? You're Puerto Rican. How could you do it? But that's the, the nature of it. She, what, there wasn't a lot of music in her life like there was in my life. So, uh, uh, so it is, so Alma's way is authentic to particularly me. And I'm very happy that uh, Fred Rogers Productions and Ellen Doherty there and, and our head writer, Jorge Aguirre, that's of Colombian descent, uh, was comfortable with that. Uh, with that idea. And and also the, I mean, if Puerto Ricans are different, remembering that all Latinos, you know, yeah. it's just, 
a whole different world. People tend to mesh us all into one category. Right. Of course. We're having a lot of fun with the language on the show. Uh, uh, Jorge named us an establishment. Jorge, the head writer, named an establishment Oya. And I said, but Jorge, to me, Oya is like the Oya de Arroz, like the pot of rice. Is that what we want to call it? And he went, oh, you know, because his wife is Peruvian. So that her Spanish, I mean, their Spanish is different and we have different associations to different words. And uh, we're having fun kind of uh, having different characters that use different Spanish phrases. Um, Alma says, que chévere, when something is cool. And we have a character that says, que padre. I had never heard that to me. Yeah, we say, I mean, I'm from Mexico, so we say, que padre. Yeah, I use well, it all the time. <laughs> oh, thank you. You're, you're, uh, you're assuaging my fears. Yeah. I said, I never heard of that. I mean, I'm counting on you guys being right. <laughs> no, yeah, we do use it all the time. But I love that you are incorporating all types of Latinidad color into it. We need more of that. So I'm, yes. I mean, that's amazing that you're doing this work. Sonia, what is one of your favorite pieces of advice for younger generations? I think uh, that we have to embrace, acknowledge our roots um, in order to succeed. And I'll tell you a little story about that. When I started Sesame Street, uh, one of the writers wrote that I was born in Puerto Rico. I hadn't been to Puerto Rico. I didn't go to Puerto Rico till I was 14. But when he said that, I was quiet. I didn't correct him because I thought, oh, I'm sure these producers would rather have someone who was really born in Puerto Rico than a New Yorican on this show. So I didn't say anything, but then I started to feel shy. And then I started to wonder, what's wrong with just being myself? Why, what is wrong with saying I'm New Yorican? I was born here and my parents are from Caguas and Manati. So I went back and I revealed that to the producers. And all of a sudden I felt stronger. I felt more myself, more, uh, more authentic. And the more you are yourself, the stronger you will be and you're, you will be more successful. I think, um, when I faced who I was head on, I just flew on Sesame Street. Okay. So for the speed round, here we go. What's your favorite book? Uh, La Dominicana. <laughs> favorite singer? Mark Anthony. Oh my God. I worked for Mark Anthony for a while. Oh, you're, you're the second person of my interviews to say Mark Anthony. First thing you do in the morning. Unclench my jaw. Actually, it's a good one. <laughs> we should do that more often. I think people don't realize how, how much stress is there. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. Good one. <laughs> okay. Hidden talent. Um watch television <laughs> I've never heard that I don't know what to answer my hidden talent I don't know I don't have a hidden talent actually this stumps a lot of people I mean you have talents but they're not hidden so I mean that's a good thing you're sharing yeah, your talents with the world <laughs> yeah, right. okay quality you look for in your friends empathy oh nice one quality you look for in your business partners 
Talent. Okay. Superpower you wish you had? Going back in time. Okay. What other career would you have chosen if it weren't this one? Edu teacher. I think a teacher, professor of some sort. Okay. One thing you wish you knew at the beginning of your career? Oh, that it was important to be myself. And your favorite thing about being a Latina? It's a, it's a lively thing to be. <laughs> there are, there is a lot of color and sabor to it. There's I will a, say that. Yes, there's color. Yes, yeah, sabor and color. And, uh, and obviously that's something that I cherish. Hola, yo soy Sonia Manzano and this is Latin X. Thank you for watching. You can meet Alma and Alma's Way now on PBS Kids.